In a time when film criticism is as provocative as ever, Feelin' Film ventures to change the discussion from what we hate about a film to what we love about it. We judge more on emotional experience than technical merit, because every movie makes us feel something. Hello, welcome to the second episode of the Feelin' Film Podcast. Uh, we're glad to have you with us today, and we are here again, myself, this is Aaron, with Patch. What's up? And we are going to be talking about Midnight Special. Not sure if you guys know anything about this film or not. Unfortunately, it has not had the best of marketing uh, plans, but it is out in theaters, a uh, wider release, and we have seen it, and we're excited to talk about it. But before we do that, I uh, just wanted to catch you up on what we've been doing lately. Patrick, what have you been up to since a couple weeks ago when we recorded our first episode? Man, uh, a lot, but uh, I've been going through a lot of um, nostalgia movies. I've been watching a lot of old school movies, and I, I decided to, in light of our last podcast, to revisit the Superman films, uh, including Superman 3, but avoiding Superman 4. And I tell you what, particularly with that movie, I, I really enjoyed just the the fact that it plays on the not really campiness but just on the lightheartedness of the man of steel he's gotten a bad rap the last few years with his uh dark and gloomy tone that Zack Snyder and company have um have kind of put on him but the fact is when you watch something as hokey as superman 3 it's um it's a lot of fun and it just reminds me that stories can be told about the man of steel that can be lots of fun how about you Aaron um, that's awesome. I, you know, I don't think I even remember Superman three. Does it have a weather satellite? Yeah, something like that. Uh, I think Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor. It. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't well received, or it doesn't seem to fit the uh, uh, of of any. I would say this: if I were to give anybody an introduction into the Man of Steel movies, any Superman movies, I would probably not say watch that one first. I would say watch the first and second one, and then the third one's good for just reminding us that. Sometimes stories can have a really crazy, just suspend your disbelief type element to it. That's awesome. Well, I have been watching a lot of movies, um, despite, not this weekend, this last weekend's actually been really gorgeous here in Seattle, which I don't get to say often, so I'm going to brag about it. Um, got to get out with my kids and do some geocaching again. We haven't been able to do that for several months now. It's one of our favorite hobbies, and so getting outside and enjoying some of that. Sunshine has been nice, but for the most part, I've been watching a lot of movies, and specifically, I've been working on a list that I made for 2016. At the end of last year, I asked my Facebook friends to recommend one or two of their favorite lesser-known or lesser-loved films that I had not seen for me to check out, and I compiled a list of, I don't remember what it is, 35 or 40 films total. And recently, I've been able to knock three of those off the list. Actually, uh, I got to watch Take Shelter, which was uh, also Jeff Nichols of Midnight Special fame that we're talking about today. It was me. I got to complete his filmography and really awesome movie with one of the best endings you will ever see in all of cinema. Does the uh, boat sink or does Mufasa die or have I spoiled two other movies for you? I, I, I don't think that's Take Shelter. <laughs> Oh, sorry, sorry. I I get my I get my spoiler endings mixed Although up. Although so. you say something about a boat, there is an ocean involved. 
okay. uh, at the end of this. Um, okay, so uh, <laughs> another one, not not with an ocean or a lion, uh, would be Titan AE. This was uh, a space epic animated film from, I think, the year 2000. Uh, actually written by Joss Whedon prior to Firefly. A lot of influence you could take away from it. Or you could see a lot of how where Firefly came from when you watch this film. Is that uh, the one that that has uh let's see is matt damon in that is he the yes matt damon is a voice in this and he does have to get rescued as always <sighs> fantastic yeah very good very good movie or pretty good movie uh, for me it was it wasn't a great experience it was a good experience though i enjoyed it and uh some of the best animation just watching the animation and knowing that this happened in 2000 was incredible and then lastly just just this weekend i watched singing in the rain for the first time kind of a blind spot for me having not seen that one and also really loving musicals. My kids had both seen it in school, and so they actually were singing along before I even learned the songs, which helped me learn them. And we all loved it so much that this morning, we all sang the good morning song to each other. So it was very much a good morning, good morning, uh, back and forth as we were all waking up and we had a lot of fun with it. It wouldn't be surprising if I, if I'm just picturing animated birds and cats and whatever, just kind of hanging around you guys as you're making breakfast. <laughs> totally, totally, man. It, it was, it is a great film, and if you've not seen Singing in the Rain, believe the hype. It's like 100 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I completely agree. I understand why this is a beloved film of all time. It, it definitely lives up to it. So that's great. That's great. So anyway, yeah, that's what we've been up to. Um, but let's dive in. We are here to talk about Midnight Special. And uh, Patrick, do you want to give a synopsis of the film and what we're going to talk about? Sure. So let me just kind of give you guys an overview. The official IMDb, Wikipedia, whatever synopsis is basically that father and son, they go on the run and they're pursued by the government and a cult drawn to these powers that the child has. And um, as we've mentioned before, it's written and directed by Jeff Nichols. Um, for those of you who don't know who he is, he has about um, almost half a dozen films uh, on his resume, including Mud. And to us, this this particular director holds a special place in our hearts. Uh, he's from Little Rock. He's from our hometown. I actually went to high school with him. And my small, itty-bitty claim to fame is that uh, we did a musical together, and he hit me in the face. That's awesome. And and I believe I have a picture somewhere of the aftermath of that, which is really, it's, it's bad. It's I, just cheesy. That's great. I, I think I saw him in the hallway the, the year that I was there at high school. We were in the same high school for one year together, and I was there. But I, don't, I did not get hit by Jeff Nichols, unfortunately. Now I wish I did. I wish <laughs> I had a story as cool as that. <laughs> well, unfortunately, that's the limited amount of cool that I have when associated with him. Um, the movie stars Michael Shannon. Of uh, A lot of you guys might know him from Man of Steel. He played Zod. And uh, just as a side note, I've noticed that in he's pretty much in all of Jeff Nichols' films. So he's sort of like the Michael Caine of Jeff Nichols' movies that Michael Caine is to our man Chris Nolan. So if you like Michael Shannon in Man of Steel, uh, you're probably going to get a different take on him in this movie as well as his other ones. Um, Joel Edgerton. Kirsten Dunst, Jaden uh, Lieber, Lieberher, if I'm pronouncing it right. Adam Driver, another local uh, Little Rock guy who is uh, known now as Kylo Ren to most people. He's and not as emo. He's not as emo in this film. Let's we we promise. This is true. This is true. And finally, Sam Shepard rounds out the cast. Um, so, 
this movie is, um, you know, it's, it, it's, well, Aaron, why, why don't you go in? I don't really know how to, how to begin to describe my experience just yet. So why don't you go in and, and tell me what's your initial takeaway from, from watching this? When you walked out of the theater, what were you thinking? So my immediate reaction was one of amazement. Um, I absolutely loved it. I went in with very little knowledge, you know, not having seen the trailers. All I knew is that I wanted to see this movie because I love Jeff Nichols' films. Um, but when I found out that my one of my favorite directors, who who makes such great family dramas, was creating a science fiction movie uh, that was being likened to the epics by Steven Spielberg in the '80s. I got really excited. Um, I can definitely see the connection to those films uh, in this one, but I was just, I, I loved it. I came out extremely moved by the display of this family and, and how much the mother and father were going through to want to save their child, even though they didn't really understand what or who he was um, or even why they were doing it. It was just uh, a great display of unconditional love for a child and being a parent. I can resonate with that. I also really enjoyed the fresh and unique take on the science fiction story that didn't have aliens, per se. I mean, kind of. He was He's a different kind of person. But no aliens from outer space. Um, no specific fantasy tropes, things like that. No spaceships, really. Uh, it just... It was a very unique take on it that I enjoyed. And it's a contender for my favorite film of the year right now. I It stuck with me. So, wow. Wow. yeah. Absolutely liked it a lot. That's great. That's great, man. Um, you know, I, I, I walked out of the theater and I think I remember saying, I'm going to own this when it comes out on DVD. I, I love being able to walk away from movies having that kind of response. It wasn't forced. It was it was different than, uh, say, something like 10 Cloverfield Lane that had some had some sci-fi elements to it and had some real cerebral stuff, stuff that I was drawn to, but the response I had was completely different. To this one, it was a, wow, what did I just watch? And it was like, I need to go back and see that again. And it wasn't because of a lot of twists. It was, it was as if I just, I, I walked into someone's story and walked out just experiencing moments of their of their experience, you know, because the beginning of the film puts us right in the middle of something. Uh, and we'll get into that. And by the end of the film, it leaves us with an interpretation. It leaves us with wondering. And so it's like, we get these glimpses of these people's lives. We get the glimpses of, of Michael Shannon's character and, 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 and Alton, the little boy and Kirsten Dunst's character and and I walk away going, not just, hey, what happened to these guys? But also, I was glad to be a part of these moments with them for a couple of hours. Yeah. And totally. I, I just, it, I connect with that. Uh, like what you mentioned, I, I connect with the fact that it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a family feature, specifically a father and son story, hidden, wrapped up, whatever you want to call it, inside a science fiction uh, device. And to me, that is such, such a subtle, such a, a, um, a 
just a small sense of of uh, just it's a, it's a great it's a great storytelling device, and I love that. I love that about the film that it's it, it's very very subtle. It's awesome, man. Yeah, I completely agree, hundred um, percent. And before we, so now we're going to get into spoilers. So that's that's it. That's as much as you get with us uh, for spoiler free. Um, I can apologize to you, but I'm really not sorry. We we really want to be able to dive into the meat on our podcasts and when we talk about these films and uh, get into their themes. So we are going to be talking full spoilers. If you haven't seen the film, we highly recommend you go see it. Like I said, it's in limited release, uh, but it is out there and it deserves to be seen. Please do go see it if you have any interest uh, in doing so before you listen to us and then come back and check in with us. Um, If you were not with us on our first episode, if this is the first time listening, we are glad to have you and we should tell you that our goal here is to be positive. So what we like to do is keep our negative comments to a minimum. doesn't mean that every movie is wonderful and perfect and doesn't have, or every movie has no problems because they do. Uh, so we're going to quickly go over some of our quote unquote issues with the film and then we'll get into all the awesome stuff that we liked about it. Yeah. Um, so I tried <laughs> as we, as we say that I really, I tried to find things that I didn't like about it because I was so overwhelmed with the things that I did. And, um, you know, this, this could be a good or a bad thing, but this story is a very slow burn. Um, if you're going to watch this, have some coffee, have a tea, have something with caffeine in it and go in not ready for a nap because I'll tell you the first two thirds of the movie are very, very slow in terms of steady, I guess would be the word. And that could be conceived as an issue, but I think it ties into what I discovered were two major tones of the movie that helped make it complete. Um, so I, I think I think there's a there's a there is a lack of dialogue. I did notice that there's not a lot of dialogue. So if you're not really paying attention to facial expressions or nonverbal communication, you won't get lost. But it's real easy to become a little bit pessimistic about that and go, okay, where do we go from here? You know. Um, let's see. I think. I have this issue with with shows like Lost, and I think there are parts of this movie that kind of uh, that, that kind of echo this, where there are mysteries that are set up mm-hmm. that don't that don't pay off. Right. For instance, because we're thrown into the story, there's this angle about the ranch. You know, we don't know much about the ranch. We know that these guys living on the ranch, this community, they want the boy back because he's apparently some kind of savior. And and Nichols uses a lot of like religious language and and specifically Western Christianity language about the the coming day of judgment and how this boy is somehow special. But I wanted more. I wanted to know more about the ranch. Like, where, where, what are they really about? Is it a Christian organization? Because they don't really hint at that, which is, I guess, a good thing, but not really. I don't know. Um, you know, I think it was I a know, cult. It's definitely yeah. a cult. I mean, they had... You know, they had their weapons. They were being investigated by the FBI, and they, they sort of, sort of believed that he was their savior. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, so I was a little, I felt a little misled with that because mm-hmm. you have this, you have this sense of by the end of the movie, you really have two major groups that that are that are being kind of 
emphasized, and that's the government and that's the family. And the, the ranch sort of felt like pushed to the side by the by the middle of the film. Yeah, I agree. And that was that was one of the big things that I noted as well was that there is a sequence particular. First of all, the ranch, the whole ranch storyline. Although I understood it and I I thought it had value, um, I thought it was a little not implemented that great. Um, it, Nichols is specifically talked about how he thinks he might have cut too much out of the film in an effort to make it more concise. And I wonder if a quote unquote you know like a director's cut of this would have had enough or more of the ranch to make it more understandable for us because sure. there is a there is a section at the end or third of the final third of the film or so where you know a major plot point happens with the ranch and they they kidnap Alton back and then all of a sudden it's over like that's it they 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 lose Alton to the government at that point like literally 5 minutes after they steal him right and they're gone <laughs> there's there's no <laughs> more ranch talk at all the rest of the film the whole climax of the film just ignores the ranch completely. It's like the whole storyline just poofs into the air. And so that was a little bit of a, of an odd choice to yeah. have it disappear like that. Yeah. Um, and there were of course some small unanswered questions for me. I mean, there's the scene where they're, they're hanging out in uh, in Eldon's house. They've come over to, to spend kind of the evening with him. And in the morning um, they're awakened by this big giant, like thunderous thing. And there's this big chaotic event happening and they walk in and, Eldon is apparently absorbing the kid's power or he's giving the kid and that is never explained. Um, you know, and, and then of course the the particular place and time of this event that's happening, you know, I guess it sort of got explained because that's where he needed to be to say, ha, I'm an alien and they're living among us. Eh, I was kind of, I was kind of let down about that, you know, because that was that was sort of revealed early on in the movie, and I remember thinking, "I love the mystery of the ranch, of the boy, of the powers." And slowly, why, why that place and why yeah. that time? There was right. never an answer to that. Yeah. Right. So by the end of the movie, I was, but as it was getting close to the end of the movie, I was like, "Okay, so you're not going to talk about the ranch. You're not going to really talk about this stuff." But yeah, so um, those were really the only major issues I had with it, and they weren't really major. I was nitpicking at that point. Yeah, me too, man. I, you know, I like I said, I, I noted some of the same things you did. I thought, you know, Michael Shannon was a little less emotional than usual, but I could find an argument against pretty much every complaint I have. In that, mm-hmm. you know, he was very locked in as Roy, the father, uh, from a facial feature standpoint. It was all about showing the emotion in this one. There was, like you mentioned, with the kind of low dialogue amount a lot of things in this film are shown to you and they are what we enjoyed, which is they made us feel they brought out emotion in us versus talking to us and telling us what we should think or understand at the moment. So, so ultimately those small things didn't really affect my movie going experience at all. And, uh, most of them were, were just fine in the end. Yeah. Same for me. So, leading into now, the good stuff, what were some things that you really pulled from this specifically that 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 made you happy? Oh man. Oh man. I'm excited. So, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I'm a huge science fiction fan. Um like I said, I love a good family drama and this was just this fantastic little mashup of of those put together. The cast is phenomenal. 
I, I um, agree. Yeah, Joel Ed- Edgerton for me. Um, I have not. I've seen one movie of his in particular that I really enjoyed his performance in, uh, a, a film called Warrior. Um, not a lot of people have even seen it that I know of. I, I've mentioned it before, and people are like, oh, what's that? But he's like an MMA fighter, and he was really good in that. But th- this one, his character Lucas just steals the show for me. He is so full of emotional depth, and in a big way, his character seems to carry the story for us. Uh, every line that Lucas speaks has a huge weight to it. Um, he has to make some of the toughest decisions in the film. And in a big way, it feels like we're experiencing the film as his character, Lucas. I absolutely agree. And that's exactly what I thought going into the, well, not going into the film, but as I was walking through it, when you told me that he was your favorite character, it wasn't until the interview at the end when he was being interrogated that I finally said, that's my favorite. He's my favorite. Oh, for yeah, the exact. Man. For the exact reasons you said, I mean, he encompassed what we were experiencing throughout the film, going from skeptic, what is this all about, to eventually the line that I love, the absolute line that I love the most from him is when Alton says, he goes, he just goes, Lucas, when he's about, after he's revealed kind of the plan, and Lucas goes, I believe you. And I was like, I believe you too. Yeah, I know. That's what I said too. I'm like in the theater raising my hand, like, count me on, count me in. I'm with you. And we just, we just, we do, we relate to Lucas and, uh, you know, he's, this, he's skeptical and he's, he has a problem believing and he doesn't, uh, you know, he, he's a, he's a friend of the family. He's not a dad. He's not a mom. And so he, we get to, we get to feel like him because we're not tied to this child. He's not our child. Right. You know? And so you understand that mom and dad have this different perspective of unconditional love and unconditional belief and trust. They, they just, without any, any question at all. Um, but Lucas is not like that, you know, <laughs> Lucas is, is like, uh, like any, the everyman who's, who's, he's trying, he's trying hard to believe and follow it, but he, he has his problems with it and we get to grow with him and experience. I just, I just thought Edgerton knocked it out of the park. Um, Kirsten Dunst as well, perfectly fit. She actually, uh, trivia here. She, petitioned Jeff Nichols to be in this film. Really? Um, yes. To the point where he, he said, oh, you know, kind of, I'm kind of interested. It's okay. You know, it's, he was a little shocked. This big name actress was interested, but then she sent him a, a, a role, a tape, uh, a kind of an audition tape saying, no, I, I want to be in your film and I don't care how, who you cast me as just put me in one of your films because she was so taken by take shelter she was so impacted by that that she just wanted to be in one of his movies. And so he said that he he refused to cast somebody just because of the name. Uh, but he brought her in. He watched her tape, and he gave her a shot at it. And he said once he did, he just he, – there could be no other perfect character for the mom or perfect actress for the mom. And she did a great job. Uh, you know, she was subtle and oh, just so even keeled that it was, it was really refreshing. And uh, she was a great – you know, counterweight, counterbalance to a lot of the the pent up frustration <laughs> that we get to see in the dad in Roy. That's for sure. That, you, uh, that's a great point you made. I didn't think about that. That she's she's a she's a great kind of antithesis in terms of emotion. Like you see her smile, you see her the the more tender hearted mom. Where you have you have Roy played by Shannon, and if we know him from the world of Zod, we know that he's just real brooding in this. 
And uh, and I think that was one of the issues you had was that he's just a brooding guy, and we wonder if he could ever be anything but that. And he did, and, and I thought it was just a great. They're a great couple in the movie, uh, in in their in their roles, not necessarily as a married couple because they're. I don't think they are, but, um, you know, I think Adam Driver to me, uh, playing Sevier, the only thing I'd seen him in was The Force Awakens, and I really. Man, even now watching it, I've watched it a couple of times, and I'm going, he just does. He's not doing it for me as Kylo Ren. And I watch him in this, and it's a completely different role. And it reminded me a lot of some of the backlash that Hayden Christensen got as an actor when he played uh, when he played Anakin, and how he just, well, he was not good to most, you know, to most audiences. But you see him in other things, and it's you know, people chalk it up saying, well, it was bad writing. And I think, not that The Force Awakens was bad writing, but I think you had that, I had that same kind of response to Adam Driver. I was going, oh, really, Adam Driver? Okay, um, okay. And then he comes in, and he owns this character. And he, he, he just, he takes hold of it. And some of the things he does, like the interview with Alton, and the again, the lack of dialogue, but the facial expressions, really, really... Uh, got me to connect with him, and I love that. I, and it, it, what it's gotten me doing is it's gotten me wanting to see what his other stuff is, like girls, and well, I, I guess I guess that's the only thing. And, and maybe that that might be where um, <laughs> where his Force Awakens attitude comes from. Because oh, I, it's I, so I, similar. I, I've it, seen the first season, and it is his. He's emo in that, and he he's that's. I believe that girls is a great obvious tonal comparison to his character in force awakens. Okay. Um, but yeah, he's, he, he's, he's so good, man. He is, he is underrated for sure. And, uh, I fully believe this guy's going to be a force to be reckoned with as an actor. Um, I think he's going to be a great one going forward. So, so would you say his force awakened at that point? I, <laughs> Sorry, that's terrible. I'm, I'm not going to. Yeah, this, this is why I do podcasts yes. because comedy is just not going to do it for me. Oh, my goodness. Yes. They can't throw tomatoes at us on the they radio. They really can't. Right. The rotten tomatoes, right? Only ratings. Oh, that's even worse. You're just, oh, you're still going. You're still just, going. I'm stopping now. You can, yeah. Don't, don't turn us off, please. I'm stopping. Tell, tell us something else you liked about the film. Okay. Not um, the jokes. There aren't a lot of jokes in the film, so don't talk about the jokes. Yeah. So, uh, the, one of the things that I took away from this was there are two distinct feelings, tones that I get from, uh, from this movie. There is subtle storytelling, quiet mixed with moments of action. And they come when, when the action comes, it comes like, boom, like, I mean, it's just right in your face. Like the moment, right when the third act starts and the crew is leaving the hotel and they're like, they're getting ready to go. And then they, they get into a firefight. There's that. Or at the very beginning when they're in the, they're in the, the uh, you got Roy and Lucas and Alton. They're in the in the car, and he turns the you know he he he, tur- he has the headlights off, and then later on he turns it back on, and there's a car, and then they pl- yeah. they plow into it, and so the whole opening these... sequence is unreal. I mean, it's it really, fantastic. It, it really is. And what I noticed um, because I'm a huge fan of music, and I think again because there was a lack of dialogue, I got to really hone in on the musical aspect of it. David Wingo is the composer of this, of this movie um, soundtrack. He did, he's done almost everything but shotgun stories. I did some research and I think he, yeah, he's been, he's been the, um, 
the guy that, that, that Jeff's gone to. And there are two distinct themes that I've, I've noticed. There's the main theme, which I'm sure if you've listened to the trailer, you know what, what, it's, uh, what it's about. But I, what I'd like to do is just I want to play a clip from this other theme. And this is from a track called Abduction. And it's going to kind of give you a sense of this is what the action portions feel like. All right, let's play that one. So you can tell there's like this sense of tension. It's almost like a heartbeat in in the music. And oh man, <laughs> oh man, it, yeah, it's it it gets me going. And I, and I was when I hear that when I bump, bump, you know, it's it's not like Inception bump. It's like it's it's like oh, like I mean I'm 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 scared. I'm like, what's gonna happen? Are they gonna get you know what's gonna what's gonna go on? But I really thought the music as a whole just added to these two distinct. Uh, moods that he was presenting and they didn't feel counterintuitive like they didn't feel disjointed or mutually exclusive they felt like they went together even though they happened suddenly the differences happened suddenly like you had you know calm 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 boom calm 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 boom they felt like they made sense i really enjoyed that absolutely what was the second one Oh well, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna link to both of them, but I think the uh, the second one is actually just the main thing that you hear in the trailer. I just I we'll we'll link to both of the of the tracks, but I don't want to bore anybody with like all this music. You know, they are very good. I, I have to agree with you there. And this is a the score was phenomenal for this movie. Um, you went out and bought it, right? I did. Yeah, and I've listened to it several times since then. Uh, it's on Spotify as well. So if you're interested, it's on Spotify. It's on YouTube. Go out and purchase it if you like it, but it is it is really a top notch score, um, and fits the tone of this movie or the multiple tones of this movie perfectly. Mm-hmm. So, one of the things I mean that I really loved um, was the way in which the alien culture existed in this story. So, Alton we come to learn obviously is that he kind of is a it's this is kind of like an inter or multi-dimensional story type thing here going on where there's this there's this other layer of beings on top of the earthly dimension that we all live in and it was so unique because we see Alton's got all these crazy powers that we don't know what they are we don't know what's going on you know he's got this eye gaze thing that from what we can tell the best we've come to figure out is that he is comforting or showing people something when he connects to them that makes them calm that's what i got out of the dialogue um and then he has you know just these the ability to (laughs) kind of energy change things somehow he brings down a satellite on a gas station this phenomenal scene where uh, I mean, they, I, held, I held my breath the entire scene where this satellite was crashing down on this gas station in an explosion. Um, it was u- unbelievable. And all Alton could say is, like, I'm sorry. 
<laughs> and his dad's like, for what? And he's like, uh, for the big satellites falling in the sky and blowing everything up. My bad. <laughs> but he just, his powers were so different and they weren't used in a way that normal superhero powers are. He wasn't using them for even good or evil. Um, they weren't something that he was using to take advantage of um, the the people around him or control things really. And so the reveal was just amazing to me. And I love the design of it. I love the design of this other world's buildings, these these energy beings essentially. But they have these buildings that are like attached to our sky, skyscrapers. They're right here with us. They're part of our earth. Mm-hmm. But we can't see them and we can't interact with them. And they're just energy mm-hmm. is really the way it, it looks like. But there's no – I love that there's no, nothing sinister about it. There's not a single time in this film where you feel like, oh, my gosh, there's this other thing out there and we've got to be careful about it because it's going to kill us. Right. It's never brought up because the government doesn't even realize that's what it is. <laughs> so they can't – they don't even have time to get around to like wanting to you know fight it, which, of course, is what happens in our world. Um, and then the beings, just they, there's no ma- ma- malevolence ever from them. It's really cool. And – it, it made me think about Tomorrowland when you mm. saw those building designs, uh, yeah. the way in which they were just sweeping and looping. And I really, really enjoyed the design of the alien. I, I hate even calling him an alien, but the design of what Al- whatever Alton was <laughs> and this other dimensional world that he belonged in. Right. Well, you, you hit on something really interesting. I, I noted that everything in the movie felt visually and orally organic uh nothing really feels or sounds abnormal this didn't you know i came in expecting a sci-fi movie and i left getting something that was homegrown and what i really am just impressed with in this particular movie and in general with what jeff nichols does because i've visited a couple of his films um in recent in recent days because of this movie is that he uses the science fiction element as a tool to tell his story, to tell a story that he knows. He's not trying to tell a science fiction story. He's telling his story using a science fiction element. Um, in particular, he, I love the fact that the movie's a slow burn in that, in that he doesn't build the, he doesn't like front load the movie with a lot of exposition, that the exposition actually comes in our traveling with all these characters, you know, from Roy to Alton to Lucas. And so we, we find out more about the history and the backstory of these characters by living with them, which I think is a fantastic storytelling device because what's tough to do in a movie and what's, I won't say it's easy to do in a television show or something that has more long form storytelling is falling in love with the characters, caring about the characters enough that by the end of this story, the end of your experience with them, you felt emotionally invested in them. That's hard to do. I mean, that's really difficult to do as a writer and director is to take something that's going to hold somebody's attention for two hours and say by the end, wow, I really connected with this person. I don't know that I've had a lot of movies that I can do that with. I mean, I can maybe in some of like the Remember the Titans or the Feel Good movies, there's that natural tendency to want to cheer for the good guys. Like even in Cree, a movie I loved to death, I was really... I didn't necessarily connect with a character. I connected with an idea of the underdog. Yeah. Whereas with this movie, I connected with the characters. I connected, man, I mean, 
there were so many moments of father sonness that I, as as a dad myself, I'm going, oh my gosh, that's me, that's me and my son, that's me. I would say that. I would, yeah, I would say that. And um, and with Lucas, the sense of of doubt, I'm surprised he wasn't called Thomas because Thomas <laughs> is one Thomas, of my, yeah. yeah, he's one of my favorite biblical characters. And Lucas inhibited, or he exhibited a lot, a lot of these character traits. So. The, the tone of the, of, of the movie and the subtlety of it and the ability to use an element of something to attract me to the movie in order to get me into my seat and then to just show me something else I thought was just really great. Oh, yeah, it it really is. And, you know, Jeff Nichols has he he has said some amazing things about this and in ways that, you know, are very helpful and, and things that we can't really even probably say in a better way um one thing this is a very hopeful film it's it's not depressing and Nichols actually said in one of the interviews I listened to he said I don't like depressing movies I don't think they're a fair representation of how people see the universe sure there are a lot of cynics out there but I don't like hopeless films that's not the way I want to live my life, and that's not the kind of stuff I want to put out into the world. And he certainly doesn't. I mean, he, he's he got movies that, you know, Midnight Special is just another example, have a ton of quote-unquote family drama going on, but at the end of the day, they are about hope. They're about believing in each other. They're about overcoming something together, and I just love that. Um, when I... He, he said something that also really, really hit me. He said, I want people to watch this film and go home and hug their kids. And that's what it made me feel like, man. That's yeah. what it made me feel like. As a dad to a young boy, it made me want to go home and grab my son and wrap him up. You've got a son too, right? And just yeah. hold him because I thought, gosh, what if this was my kid? What if one day I found out that my son has a superpower? Or... <laughs> Light starts coming out of his eyes. How would I react to that, right? And that's, that's the beauty of this film is that, that it makes you think about that. And it makes you wonder how you would handle that situation. And I can tell you right now, if the government was coming after my son because they were afraid of him simply because they didn't know what he was, mm-hmm. I'd be running too. I'd be in a car. I'd be driving away. I would be protecting my boy unconditionally no matter what. And that's what this film is about. And it really, it really gets you. It really drags you in. Right. And I can imagine some of the criticism has to do with the fact that because there's a sci-fi element, it seems like there's this innate need to explain things. Like when we throw a sci-fi spin on something, we're going to ask those questions. Well, what, where did his power come from and what does it do? And you know what, from, from some standpoint, I mean, those are legitimate questions if there was a lot of focus on that. But what I love about this particular film, about what he did here, was the fact that he didn't dwell on that stuff. I mean, these moments, when, when the kid used his power, he, it wasn't a hint to say where his power came from or what his power was or how he was being used or how it was being used. I mean, assistant, what you said, uh, I'm going to echo that, this movie is about a dad's love and eventual loss of his son. That's the story that Jeff is trying to tell. It's not about Independence Day where we're like, 
Where did these aliens come from? Why do they live among us? What's their purpose? Yeah. Because that's not that's not what Jeff spent a lot of time talking about throughout the movie. I mean, that's maybe 15 minutes of the entire movie is the big reveal and his speech to his road crew, as I call them. And I was fine with that because I was so entranced with the relationship side of things and with with Roy and 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 Kirsten. I can't. I'm, I'm terrible with names. You've got to know. Anybody that's listening to me has to know that I'm terrible with remembering names. So Kirsten Dunst's character, I forget her name, um, and, and Roy, played by Shannon, their relationship with, with Alton, that's the story. And when we get invested in that, we sort of forget about that other stuff. They become sort of accent pieces for this bigger story that he's telling. Jeff Nichols has specifically kind of regretted the fact that it initially got compared to Spielberg's epics so early on because it didn't quite live up to the same type of, they're not the same type of films. And ultimately, you know, it just, it's a film that is wonderful. If you want to go see it, we're telling you, if you, if you're listening now and you haven't seen it, then hopefully we've talked you into it. Um, And I'm sorry that you're spoiled, but it's so worth it. And it makes me, there, there was a, it reminds me of a comment that, uh, a friend of the the show had made when I was talking to him about this movie. And he posted this. He said, I will admit most modern audiences would probably think Midnight Special is a boring film. It doesn't have raunchy jokes, explosions everywhere, scenes of arousal. But the film does expect more out of the audience, much in the same manner as a work like E.T., Alien, or even Hitchcock's Rear, Win- Rear Window or Psycho do. Today, movies like Midnight Special are branded as independent. But they, 30 years ago, they probably would have been hailed as classics. Our society's attention span is very much to blame, at least partially, for this evolution. And that's my buddy Scott Kelly. Um, and, and, and he hits on something just, just a huge, huge kind of point for me of contention. And that is, you know, this movie is, is not being seen. It, it's the, the box office take has been... Very bad. Um, it's probably going to lose quite a few millions of dollars. It's Jeff Mickles' first time with a big studio film. Usually he is an independent uh, director. And is it, his fi- is it his fault? And is it a bad movie? Absolutely not. Um, but people don't necessarily want this as a whole anymore. And uh, I, think, I think that they would if they started to give these kind of films a chance. But a lot of people don't give it a chance. You know, because they write it off right right off the bat. They say, "Oh, well, it's not got Batman or Superman in it. Well, it's not got Captain America. Which 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 comic company wrote this one? You know, mm-hmm. well, what's yeah. the alien? What are the aliens like? Well, does it have a bunch of CGI? You can't answer yes to any of this. <laughs> so, <laughs> what are you gonna? How are you gonna spin it? And it's it's an attention span thing where if people were willing to sit down and give themselves over to this story put their phone away for two hours and let themselves be immersed into this world, it is almost impossible to come away unaffected by it. I agree. And there was an interview that I was reading after watching this with uh, someone, I believe from comic book resources talking to Jeff Nichols. And he, the, the interviewer said this, he said, quote, the Jeff Nichols approach means more making an audience a detective in the storytelling than a passive witness to it. And to me, 
on a personal level, I think that's what makes the movie going experience, the movie watching experience so good and so important and so much more entertaining than just being quote passively entertained. Watching a movie should invoke you to experience what the characters are experiencing, not to just waste two and a half hours of your life to escape from the world. I mean, you're engaging. You should be engaging. And I think what Jeff does in this movie is he forces you by creating mystery to try to figure things out and in the process gets you to fall in love with characters you never knew about. Absolutely. And I think that's just so brilliant. Oh, it is. And, and, and at the end of the day, again, some of the stuff that I've read about him is he's just writing what he knows. I yeah, mean, he's his family. He, he, he uses yeah. that as his inspirational in all his films. It's been his and family. He, yeah, and, and the whole the whole idea behind this stuff, like the, the, the story itself, I mean, what he's doing, the, the elements he's using aren't anything new. You know, he's just using them to, to tell his stories. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. Ecclesiastes tells us that. And I think that ideas aren't new. They're just refreshed. And I, I think he's, he's, a, he's a director and a writer that does that brilliantly. Yeah, he deserves to be watched. He deserves to keep your eye on this guy. Pay attention to what he's making in the future. He's actually, he actually has another movie coming out later this year called yeah. Loving. Mm-hmm. Um, also has Joel Edgerton in it and Michael Shannon. Go figure. Of course. He, every of course. single movie has to be. Uh, but it's about uh, an interracial couple um, that was actually sentenced, I believe they were sent to prison because they yeah. got married. So yeah. really excited to see that one and see how what his take on that is as well. And this is his base. This is actually based on on a true story. It's the loving on. one is yes, absolutely. It is. It is a true story. So that'll be interesting. All right. So let's move on. Um, I, 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 we could sit here and talk for hours about all this, but um, what we want to get to now is, of course, of all the things that we've talked about, uh, what were our top three scenes that that really kind of hit us right in the gut and. Um, Aaron, why don't you start us out? Why don't you give us your number three? All right, my number three. And, man, this was hard because there were a lot of scenes that I loved in this movie. Uh, But my number three is a scene where Alton is getting sick. Um, They have just picked up Mom, and they're back on the run. They're in a a Suzu rodeo at this point. Um, The gas station thing has happened where the satellite came down. believe he has radiation sickness from the satellite, and that's kind of what we're, again... We're not really told. There's no exposition. We just have to assume these things. And all of a sudden, man, this is one of the great kind of effects scenes of the movie. His eyes are flashing and like almost like lasers, beams are coming out of him, and, and he's just he's freaking out. Like his superpowers are on the fritz, and he and, and, and he's screaming, and nobody knows how to fix it. Nobody knows how to comfort him. Nobody knows how to calm him down. You know, and they're trying. They're trying to, as a parent would. Um, and so it's just that simultaneous thing of really awesome sci-fi CGI or effects moment, plus the uh, you know, deeper emotional moment of a parent trying to uh, comfort their son. And anyway, he, he, he ends up, they pull over, he falls out onto the grass, and he's sick, and he, he touches the ground, and radiating out of his hands and his, his legs, the grass starts to die. Oh yeah, and it just that was just so awesome to me. It reminded me of a scene, um, and I believe it was from, gosh, All Star Superman or something. There's a Superman scene in one of the Superman stories where he ends up getting hit by a nuke, 
and he has to draw sunlight out of the grass in order to recover his power. And it's the same exact visual where he's mm. got his hands on the ground and that same thing, the grass is dying all around him because he's drawing the power back in. Right. And Alton gets better doing whatever he does to kill the grass. <laughs> whatever kills the grass makes Alton start to feel better. Uh, and he just he gets up after being completely sick and freaking out, power's going b- bonkers, and he just kind of, all of a sudden he becomes decisive. He's no longer a child, he's no longer a passive participant in this running away, and he just says, Dad, we have to go. Now. Mm, yeah. And it was like, oh my gosh, things have changed. Right? And in right. that moment, that whole sequence, you realize, it is different now. Alton is different, things are different, it's about to get real. That's right. Well, to to tie into your scene, I believe this happened. I can't remember if it. Ha- you'll, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it happened before that scene, or just after it. And it's the scene where we have, uh, for uh, up to this point in the movie, he's only been he sleeps during the day or he stays in the dark because for some reason that we're getting the hint that the sunlight affects him in some yeah, way. Yeah, they board the walls up and everything everywhere he goes. Right. It's like a negative. The sunlight is negative. Right. And so at some point, he and Roy run into the woods at night to escape. And the sun's coming up. And Roy's like, we've got to get you out of here. We've got to keep you in the dark. And he says, no, let's do that. Let's, you know, it's okay. And there's this, again, with the score and the slow burn. That's going to be my word for this podcast is slow burn. The sun is slowly coming up. And rather than hurting him what we see is this almost this reveal of like he's becoming powered by it and i i i, I still don't know. yeah i still Sorry. don't yeah i mean yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was a terrible superman <laughs> it was Good. a for effort <laughs> but I, but i remember this moment because like you with the grass and him saying it's time to go this felt to me like now we've got a moment of empowerment and now he's again he's taking he's taking the lead and he he understands more about himself like he's he's to, in this moment he's this is like his bar mitzvah he's becoming a man at this point yeah. and, uh, i think the whole story is like that right it's like a, it's like a whole journey of his discovery of who he is and what he is exactly yeah yeah he takes a off the moment mm-hmm. he takes off the goggles and even the way he postures himself uh, afterwards when he's talking to the gang in in the hotel room I mean, he's telling the story of who he is and, and all that stuff. I mean, it's just he's now just aware of himself, which is great. Yeah, so. for sure. Uh, my number two is uh, a Lucas moment. This, this was a tough contender, man. I, I wanted this. This is my number one. It went back and forth for me. But um, there is a moment where Sarah, that's Kirsten Dunn's character, the mm-hmm. mom. Uh, Sarah. They have, they have picked her up. They're at her house. And Lucas is outside installing the police scanner on the new vehicle they're going to take, the rodeo. Um, And he tells, she asks, she goes out and she starts talking to him. And she asks him, she's like, why are you here? You know, how did you get involved? And he gives us, the he finally gets to tell us who he is. You know, a friend of Roy's and what happened and how, you know, he he hadn't seen Roy in years. And Roy showed up at his doorstep with his boy and said, I need you to help me get away. And he just did. And it was amazing. Um, and toward the end of this scene, he's walking away. And Sarah kind of just throws out there at him. She's like, well, what do you do back in Texas? Asking him what his job is. 
and he just says, I'm a state trooper. And I died. <laughs> a part of me died in my seat at that moment because what we have witnessed before this is at the very beginning of the film where there's the car crash and Lucas has to shoot a state trooper. He gets in this position where he's standing down with a state trooper and they've got their guns on each other and it's either give up and let the guy get him and then Alton is stuck or he has to shoot this guy. He has to stop him and he shoots him. And he runs over, and I remember thinking in the moment, there's got to be something. Man, this guy has a heart. Because he runs over, he gets on the police car radio, and he says, officer down, officer down. And he very clearly is trying to save that guy's life, even though he just put two bullets in his chest. Yeah. And he, he's hoping that the guy was wearing a vest, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And now we that comes full circle in this one answer of, I'm a state trooper. And we, we understand all of what is going on in Lucas's head and what this has cost him. To be a part of this and to to blindly believe and blindly put his trust and faith in what Alton is. Mm -hmm. Uh, It just, oh gosh, man, it was so powerful for me. I agree. I agree. You know, it's funny. My next uh, scene (laughs) was actually the one leading up to the, the scene with the state trooper. It's the opening scene, actually. And um, I was just thinking about why I liked it so much. And the designer in me, I think it begins with the the reveal of the title. Oftentimes you see, um, well, you see the way a title comes on the screen. Sometimes it fades in. Sometimes it comes in just suddenly. Um, for instance, with 10 Cloverfield Lane, I love the way the title sequence comes in with that. Just so abrupt, tied into the opening uh, the, the opening car incident, as we'll say. <laughs> but what I loved is that the I love the fact that we we start at the beginning of the movie with it already like they're 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 on the run, and the 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 three guys get in the car and they take off, and um, Joel uh, Lucas takes. He turns off the headlights and he puts on these, I think, infrared goggles. Is that what they were? Yeah, um, night, night vision. Night vision goggles, yeah, MVGs. Um, so he can see. And then what we see is the, a top level, a top view of the, of the car coming across the camera. And then, boom, suddenly in white block letters, Midnight Special. Oh, yeah, it's Just great. simple, clean. And then it goes into the, the scene that you alluded to where – they turn the headlights back on and they see this car in the middle of the road. And, and that, that to me was the first indication of subtle meets action. And it kind of hinted to me like, oh, this is what we're going to get. So watch out. And, and I thought that was great. It was a great way to introduce the characters, the three, the three guys. Um, and uh, just it, it was just great. I loved it. Yeah, man, me too. I, I thought it was stellar way to introduce a film and to get us into the into the meat of it without even starting it, you know, without telling us we were in a movie yet. Yeah. Um, My number one was crazy powerful. Um, Let's take a listen. Dad? Yeah. Are you scared? Yes. 
You don't have to worry about me. I like worrying about you. You don't have to anymore. I'll always worry about you. Um, that's the deal. So this scene slayed me as a father. Um, just it, it starts off. Elton asks, he says, dad, are you scared? <laughs> and, uh, I, I just, I couldn't imagine. I mean, it, I may get teary just re- reliving this scene because I, I did get teary in the theater. I will admit, because again, I, I'm, relating to this movie at this point and I'm putting myself in this man's shoes and I'm believing this is my kid and uh he says dad are you scared and and you know Roy just says yes <laughs> <laughs> you know like I don't want to answer him honestly but yes <laughs> and then you know he just says you don't have to worry about me and the dad says I like worrying about you and he says but you don't have to anymore he says I always worry about you Alton that's the deal mm-hmm. and it is the deal Right? I mean, we're both fathers. That's the deal, you know? And that's that's what this movie is all about, is because that's the deal. Right. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you got going on, Elton. It doesn't matter what your powers are. It doesn't matter why. It doesn't matter how absolutely terrified I am that I'm running from the cops. I'm running from a cult. I could be killed for doing this. I could be in jail for the rest of my life. It doesn't matter because the deal is that you're my son, and I love you, and I'm here to protect you because right. that's my job. Yeah. And... And for me, there was no more emotional moment than that one. What about you? Well, I'm going to have to disagree with you. I think there was another emotional moment, although that was probably, that was almost my number one, which would have been crazy because that would have been two uh, episodes in a row where we had the same number one. And as much as, as much as I connected with that one, there was a moment going back to with, uh, after this, when Alton is about to, I guess, head back to his people. And Sarah, his, uh, his mom, uh, Kirsten Dunst, is going with him. And what you see is this one moment right before he sort of disappears. And he looks at her and he nods. And then she looks back at him and she nods. And it's like this, again, going back to this nonverbal communication. It's as if they go... What, what they're saying is a ton of things, but among the, what I got, what I got from that was him saying, it's okay. I'm going to be okay. This is what I'm supposed to do. And she goes, I understand and I love you, although it's going to hurt. And in that, that moment, I was like, wow, no dialogue necessary. Leave it open to interpretation. Sounds like the rest of the movie. You know, it's all about interpretation. And again, it just, oh left me empty with just this man i mean could it does. you it's like it's like can, jeff can you stop can you stop being yeah. so great yeah so. he he is a killer man with those moments and that head nod of hers it's yeah. just oh yeah. both parents i guess you know really it's kind of funny that we both we're both talking about parents here yeah so i mean i'm i'm picking the dad moment you're picking the mom moment yeah but it's great that they have both right because then yeah it's resonating with you and i cuz we're fathers right but if a mom's watching this movie, oh yeah, she's going to be able to relate to that as well. Yeah, for sure. Good stuff, man. Really good stuff. Okay, so one of the things I wanted to bring in and uh, is 
oftentimes we get an initial reaction once we leave the theaters. But I'm, I'd like to ask what our, what I call sleep on it response is. So sometimes we'll see a movie and then maybe a day later, a week later, we'll kind of maybe think differently because we've, we've listened to interviews, we've read articles and stuff, and maybe our, maybe our opinions change after kind of, you know, kind of chewing on a little bit. So Aaron, what was your, what was your sleep on it response? Well, this is kind of like our final thoughts um, section. Now we're wrapping things up. So I, the film resonated with me long after seeing it. Um, That's, that's when I know a movie's really good. I'm, I'm very much an overreactor. I tend to give, you know, four out of every five movies, five stars right after I watch them. Cause I just, I have that kind of response. And then usually the next day I'm like, ah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It was good. It wasn't the best movie I've ever seen. Um, but it's rare that something sticks with me and makes me think about it for many days after the fact. And midnight special did that. Um, it had me seeking out these interviews by Jeff Nichols, uh, to understand it more, try and understand it more. It had me seeking out the score to listen to because I was uh, so drawn to it in the film. And it really made me consider what I would do to protect my own children. As I've mentioned, you know, what links would I go to and, and could I go to in order to do that? And it's funny, I actually was just talking to my kids today about this. I have a phobia of snakes and I was jokingly telling my daughter that um, I loved her no matter what, and I would protect her and die for her in any case of anything that could potentially ever happen other than a snake attack. Like, if it came down to being killed by a snake or protecting her, that she was probably on her own. But, <laughs> no, really, man, it, you know, this This just, uh, it's inside, it's a little joke we, we have all the time, man. They, they love to miss. We're going to see Jungle Book in a couple of weeks, so I am terrified of CGI caw, let me tell you. I am not excited about that part. <laughs> but, I'm getting off track. But, you know, this is likely my favorite Nichols film. I've seen them all. Um, Take Shelter, this kind of edges it out just a little bit for me. Take Shelter is an amazing film, uh, an experience that everybody should have as well. But I believe that Midnight Special is truly my favorite movie of this year so far. And I'm going to own it. I'm going to watch it several more times. I'm definitely going to have my kids watch it with me. I think that they're old enough and that they can enjoy it and get something out of it. And I'm going to champion this one all over the place everywhere I can because I think it's an emotional experience um, and a movie-making experience that people um, will benefit from having. Yeah, for sure. You know, I took away similar similar thoughts that you did. Uh, it resonated with me, the family aspect of it on a personal level. But as someone who loves the idea of storytelling and in, in some ways, wants to write and wants to create his own stories. It, it, it makes me think of two things. I'm reminded of two things. One, write what you know and don't overthink it. And write what you want to write. There was an interview that I listened to of his where he talks about getting a... Um, he's asked, what would your dream job be? Like, what would your dream film be? And he immediately goes, Aquaman. And then he goes, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But what he says afterwards is really interesting. He says, you know, I don't know that I would want anything big because then I couldn't really have the freedom to tell my own version of it. I would have to tell my own interpretation of it. And that may not be 
the big budget movie that Warner Brothers would want or that Fox would want or that Disney would want. And it just reminds me that sometimes success in whatever you're doing doesn't have to be financially driven and that it can be just enjoy what you do. And that sounds like a Hallmark card. It sounds like a, the more you know, do, 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 do. But, <laughs> but there's some truth to that. And I love the fact that I'm watching a guy's film who is completely grounded in his profession. That he doesn't think that making a big blockbuster is the, is the I Ching of his, of his career. That just yeah. making movies that he knows and that he loves and working with people that he knows and he loves is really what makes him happy. And I, and I love that. I love that guy's groundedness. And it reminds me to just enjoy who I am and enjoy my talents and enjoy the things I'm bringing to the table. Absolutely, man. I enjoy what you're bringing to the table. Thanks, man. Right now. I appreciate it. And I enjoy what Jeff's bringing to his table, and I hope he keeps doing it. Let's get a bigger table so we can invite more people to bring good stuff to it. That's the point. Yeah, good segue. So, yes, we want more people to come to the table <laughs> of the Jeff Nichols cult. In case <laughs> all, you know, um, we do. So, you know, we, we're ready to wrap this up. We, like, again, we could talk forever about movies that we love, as I'm sure many of you could. But you don't have forever to listen to us. So, Patrick, yes. if people want to continue this conversation with you, um, where can they find you in particular to come at you about what you've been talking about and uh, carry this thing forward? Well, I'm on Twitter. I'm at Shoeless Patch. Uh, Patch. Wow, can't say that right. At Shoeless Patch, S-H-O-E-L-E-S-S-P-A-T-C-H. I'm also on Facebook. Uh, you can look for me on our page, Feeling Film, or you can find me, Patrick Hicks. Just look for the uh, really good-looking guy in the profile picture. Um, and if not, search for me or whatever. Uh, those are the two main places of social media that I exist. Other places I just sort of hide out. How about you? Aaron L. White, A-A-R-O-N-E-L-W-H-I-T-E. Pretty much anywhere on the web, that's my handle for everything. So you want to you want to add me as a PlayStation friend? You can add me as a PlayStation friend, but uh, that's definitely my Twitter handle. Uh, you can find me on Facebook using that as well. You can interact with both of us on the show page. That's where we're going to be posting most of our stuff related to the show. Uh, it's at Feelin' Film on Twitter or Feelin' Film Facebook um, or FeelinFilm.com is the website. So pretty easy to to remember that and find it. Wanted to say a quick thank you for everybody that has rated and reviewed the show thus far. You know, we've we've got we've got one episode out and we have been blown away. We've we've just at the two hundred download mark for our first ever episode, which is unreal for us. We are completely grateful and thankful that many of you have reacted so positively to what we're trying to do here and want to join it, join us and, and participate in this. And some of these reviews just I mean, I can't even believe you're, you're writing about us. So thank you for those. Um, that's the most important thing you can do to help us out. Uh, just to, you know, the more you rate and review the show on iTunes, on Stitcher, it just helps us be more visible so that we can reach more people with this message of positivity about movies and have them help us join the conversation as well. Patrick, what are we doing next week and what are we going to be doing going forward? Let's wrap this up. Well, uh, first of all, I'm probably going to be cooking dinner. Oh, wait, not that. Sorry. You're going to talk about for you and me, right? Not unless Sorry. we're all invited. If we're all invited, you can talk about dinner. Big table, bringing something to the table. You know what I'm talking about. Now, so so next week, uh, we're excited, first of all, to be telling you we're going weekly. We had a little hiatus there, but uh, after much deliberation, we're going to hit you guys weekly. 
And next week, we are going to uh, do a half-hour show, um, maybe a little bit longer, but we're going to try to keep it to half an hour, what we're calling our Quick Picks, which is basically going to be uh, Aaron and myself talking about a movie that we've recently watched, not necessarily really old or really recent, just something that has really grabbed us that's worth talking about. And we're going to hit the high points of it, most likely spoiler-free. For the most part, these movies are not necessarily going to have spoilers per se. We're just gonna we're just gonna really highlight the best parts. And honestly, this particular episode is going to be to try to convince you guys to go watch these movies because these are movies that have hit us and have have just we've told each other you should watch this. So uh, that's going to be for next week our quick picks. Sounds good, man. I'm excited. Right. Looking forward to it. Me too. All right. In the meantime, check out the Batman v Superman episode. Uh, it's out there. If you've seen the film by now and you haven't listened to us, go listen to that one specifically. Um, we had a lot of problems with the critical response for that movie, and uh, we think we had something important to say. Um, if you've listened to us thus far, let us know what you thought about this conversation. Tell us what you thought about Midnight Special. Um, what resonated with you? How did it make you feel? What was your... Uh, sleep on it response we'd love to hear what your sleep on it response was and your initial impressions but both are great um, you know make a comment on the facebook page and join us there and you know follow rate review subscribe etc and hopefully we can interact with you going forward in the meantime keep feeling film absolutely man <laughs>